This episode brought to you by Action from the 90s. And welcome to Screen Test Podcast. I am Chaz, and with me, as always, is my co-host, the man that may be a fictional character that has escaped a movie, Aaron Milton. I, I wish that were true, because that is that was a, a dream in the '90s. There was there's something about like being able to just be in a movie, uh, and especially when you were a kid, Chaz. Mm-hmm. Do you remember what movies like affected your daily life the most? Because you know what one got me the most. What got you the most was Toy Story. Toy- when yeah. I saw Toy Story. I was convinced that was like real life. Be, like it knew something. Be doing some double takes in your bedroom, like you, all the you time. Up, yeah. No. Okay. You always thought you could catch him. You always thought you, you never could. No. But you thought you could. I, I'm a full grown adult, and sometimes I'll eat, I'll walk past my kids' room and do a double take. Like, what, what's happening in there? <laughs> you guys walking around? You're still not convinced. <laughs> You're still not convinced. Something's yeah. up with those toys. You know it. Oh man, one of them just be sitting at her desk, looking out the window. Nobody placed that there. That's just a contemplative yeah. teddy bear. <laughs> You know it was going through a moment. It yeah. was going through a moment before you got in there. It was kind of an sure. identity crisis of why am I alive? And why do I have to pretend to be dead when these things, these organic things are around? Yeah, you know, that is a that is a plot hole in in Toy Story. Yes. Like what what is there was never a given purpose as to why these toys cannot be animated around people. Right. Especially the ones that didn't think they were toys. Yeah. Uh, in all of Toy Story, there is not an incident. Where a human sees and recognizes that a toy was alive, correct? Oof. I mean, Sid. I don't that, think there was. In that first movie, they messed with Sid a whole lot, but I don't know if he realized they were sentient uh, or if he was like, yeah. there's demons. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. Mind, the toys go back to Andy's house and Sid just busts in, Mom, there's demons everywhere. They possess my <laughs> toys. And he got real religious, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that actually fixed him. Yeah. I want that movie. And then he became a trash collector. I want that movie. The aftermath of Sid. He becomes a monk, goes off for a couple (laughs) years. (laughs) Uh, But Toy Story is not the movie we're talking about today. It is not the first of the month. We missed the first of the month because life is a nightmare this time of year. Um, So my wife is is a teacher. Yeah. If you're an adult with kids, yes, this year sucks. (laughs) My wife is a teacher uh, and we have two kids, which means we reach a point in end of May, beginning of June, where school is like, hey, teachers, you still got to show up for two weeks, but your kids can no longer show up. So <laughs> that's, no. they're just here with me 24 hours a day while my wife still has to go to work um, and do her teacher job. But now we're officially at the point where my wife is done for the summer. So now my wife and kids are with me 24-7. And my wife is yeah. like, a, we are, uh, she doesn't listen to this, so I can say whatever I want. She is one of those people who are like, we live in Lynchburg, Virginia. Uh, it's one of the places that you can most easily access uh, hiking and trails in the AT, the Appalachian Trail. We have so many access points to the AT around here. So let's drive three hours to hike and just make it day. Yeah. <laughs> so that's where we are yeah. at this moment. So trying to find places to record. We're doing this on the Sabbath, Aaron. We are working on yeah. the Sabbath. I think we have probably recorded on a Sunday in the many years that we've done this podcast. I'm going to say maybe twice. Yeah, I think this may be the second time ever. 
Yeah, it's it, this was a this would be a super because we've had to move around some recording mm-hmm. before in the past, but I think we've done more on a Saturday than we've done on a Sunday. In fact, I think we've done a Saturday together in my office last yes, year. Yes, we did. So, so we've we've done some weird days, but a Sunday. I mean, this does feel a, a little wacky yeah. right now. Yeah, it's, it's summer's just a new energy going on right now. New energy. I, I I don't know if it's good or not. We'll see. Um, we started watching this movie. You you watched it in two days, knocked it out. The way life yeah. is. There are certain things that the kids can and can't watch. So I have watched this movie. What is it? About two and a half hours? It has taken me. It's it's two hours. Two hours. It has taken yeah. me eight days to watch two hours of yeah. content. You're watching in eight in minute increments. <laughs> yes. So it's, it's how you've watched this. I, I'm so glad I keep notes when we do these because I don't remember how this movie started unless I go back to my notes because life's just a blur right now. Um we decided to watch this movie. I actually came to you with a different movie, which I hopefully will break down in the future. Oh, sure. But you said, how about we do this one? And this movie, since we decided to do it, has become so much more relevant to today, right now. It's become relevant because of the new Arnold Schwarzenegger job? Arnold Schwarzenegger got a promotion, I guess. Did he already work for Netflix? Does he work for Netflix now? I can't tell if this is a joke. I think it's a joke. (laughs) I mean, nothing points to it being a joke except that if it's not a joke, it's a parody of real life, which plays great into this movie. Uh, But also, Tina Turner's in this and unfortunately has passed away. That's true. That's true. She's in it for maybe 10 seconds, but she's in it. Very briefly, yeah. but I, and we'll we'll hit on the fact that there are some pretty interesting cameos throughout oh, this film. Man, nineties cameos, which would have gone miles over my head <laughs> at the age that I was when I saw this movie. Yes, because um, I believe this came out in 1992? 1993. You, this, that 1993. You got I'm always Aaron one year off. Token one year. I'm always one year off. Yeah, last action hero starring Arnold Schwarzenegger and a kid who I'm going to assume I have not looked at IMDb, but okay. I'm going to assume that kid goes on to do nothing. I mean, have you ever seen that face again? His name is... hence why. Austin O'Brien. And he is known for Last Action Hero, um, 69 episodes of a show called Promised Land, The Lawnmower Man, and the sequel to My Girl, My Girl 2. Well, nobody cared about My Girl 2, but Lawnmower Lawnmower Man. And do I remember Promised Land? I want to say, I think I might be thinking of a show called Graceland, though. Yeah. So maybe not the same show. It's not this show. I can almost yeah, guarantee yeah. it by the picture. It's not this show that you're thinking of. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, uh, yeah. So basically starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Uh, is basically what this movie is. This was this is currently streaming on Hulu for anybody that does want to go see this movie right now. It is it is available. It's for on the Hulu. Okay. Um, at Where did time, you watch it? At time of recording, it's on Netflix, but it's leaving in a month. Uh, okay. All right. So Arnold Schwarzenegger gets a job at Netflix. And they remove his best movie okay, off best, of that database? Best movie. This is... No. So, right out of the gate, this is Arnold Schwarzenegger, Lawnmower, Lawnmower Man. Sorry, I'm looking at IMDb. Last, <laughs> last action hero is Arnold Schwarzenegger's next move coming off of Terminator 2. Which is insane. So, yeah. if we're thinking about Arnold Schwarzenegger's career, and obviously it has kind of a lot of peaks and valleys, mm-hmm. I would feel like it's safe to say... That this is Arnold Schwarzenegger's absolute peak as a celebrity action hero right now, right? Yeah. I mean, they're even that's that's the whole premise of this movie as well. Is, that is kind of the premise. Yeah. That is at least a, a portion of this movie kind of talks about that a little bit, mm-hmm. which was something I had to Google at one point. Which we can we can get into this. We might be all over the map on this one. Yeah, but 
I did not know that Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone were some of the originators of Planet Hollywood. Yeah. I did not know that until this movie. Yeah, well, when, when she's making, like, stop talking about Planet <laughs> Yes. When she kind of makes a joke about it, which I thought was kind of, yeah. which I thought was very funny. Yeah. Um, and I Googled that because I was like, wait, what is she talking about? Because she doesn't, they don't specifically, well, he eventually specifically says Planet Hollywood. Yeah. But at least initially when she was like, don't mention the, the restaurants. restaurants yeah. I was like, well, what restaurants was this? Because I'm assuming that's a real thing. And I looked it up and I, I found out it was, it was Planet Hollywood. Um, but yeah, this is kind of an interesting movie, obviously, when you consider where Arnold Schwarzenegger was at its time. Mm -hmm. um, this is a tough movie to criticize too. Mm. Because again, as a child, when I saw this, I didn't know how satirical mm. the movie was. Okay, yeah. as, a ch as a child, you don't know. And satire, I think, is a hard thing to kind of criticize because obviously you want to make fun of the things, but right. you're like, They're it's probably fun making fun of itself. <laughs> yeah. So if I'm making fun of it, then the joke's on me. I don't get it. Right. Um, so, and the movie has a lot of those elements yes. all throughout it. So it's directed by John McTiernan, who did Predator, Die Hard, Hunt for Red October, The 13th Warrior, right in the wheelhouse of what this movie is poking fun at. The thing, though, yeah. is it's written by Zach Penn uh, and Adam Leaf, I believe. Leaf mm -hmm. is known for Biodome, and that's about it outside of this. Zach Penn, though, went on to do Ready Player One, The Avengers, Free Guy, and X-Men Last Stand. However, it is also written by Shane Black. So Lethal Weapon, Kiss wow. Kiss Bang Bang, Iron Man 3, The Nice Guys, which I feel like there's a lot of this in there. And oh, yeah. we'll talk about Box Office and Rotten Tomatoes at the end of this uh, or towards the back end of this, but I'm not going to lie. I liked this movie. It's it's probably better than it deserves to be. Okay. I, I have I have only one major critique. Okay. And we've already kind of touched on it a little bit. Does not need to be two hours long. No, oh no, it felt so I thought it was just because I watched it over such a long period of time. This movie felt like it lasted forever. There is one section of this movie that I a hundred percent would have cut from the film. Oh, there's a couple. But I feel like they well, I, I would say there's there's one section of it that when you think about the grand scheme mm -hmm. of this movie from start to finish, this section makes the least amount of sense for the movie. But I, I think my best guess is they did this to have another piece of action in there because there's mm -hmm. there's a lull. But that set piece is so long, and that's the rooftop yeah. funeral. Okay. I think that rooftop funeral section it's is so just long. so long. It's so yeah. long. It's so yeah. stupid, should I it, say? It feels like a conclusion yeah. to the movie. And you, you haven't even gotten no. to... No, you still have like, like that's, 50 minutes left. Yes, yeah. But it feels like what you should be doing is hitting a conclusion. I don't think it was dumb. I yeah. think it was dumb because it was supposed to be dumb. Right, it's the conclusion to the fake movie within a movie. Yeah, but yeah. To it's... me, my, my, my issue was... Not that it was dumb. My issue was just that it's a long sequence. Yeah. The, the sequence plays out too long too much, yeah. for a, a two-hour-long film. It, it just... That didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. All right, but I'm, I'm glad you liked it. I, yeah, I, I would say I agree. I, I, I thought for sure that this movie was not going to age very well. Yeah. And see, I think uh, it actually aged better because I understood it. Now. Yes, I think it's wildly ahead of its time. I think this yeah. fits in perfectly right now with all the multiverse, multi-world movies happening. I, I would not be amazed if I saw tomorrow Columbia is remaking this movie. Yeah, I wouldn't be super shocked. With, at, there was a specific point in the movie, though, where I was like, ooh, I like this. Mm -hmm. um, what was that? Did you have that point? Uh, yes, but I liked how I liked what they were saying. I just wish they would have done what they were saying. But it's towards the end. I don't know if that's no. Okay. My, 
the moment that stuck out to me where it was like, oh, this movie's doing something that I didn't realize. Because obviously, you don't get to that point until the child actor is in the movie itself mm -hmm. is when. But when they're walking into the police station. Yeah, police station is great, by the way. Yes. The police station is just awesome in general. But just, I literally had to rewind it because I didn't believe. I did not remember this movie was so fourth wall breaking. Mm -hmm. I just, I was a kid. Yeah. I had to rewind that I just saw what I just saw. And that's when they pass the police officer. That's the, what, the T-2000 or whatever yeah, yeah, in yeah, Terminator. Yeah. Yep. When he passes that cop yeah. walking out, he like looks back at him like, oh, wait. Yeah. That was, I literally had to rewind because I was like, wait, was that really him? Yeah. Did they do that? that? And then I was, then that whole scene in the police station is just kind of meta on top of meta on top right. of meta. You have yeah. a police cat <laughs> and stuff like that. Like there were so many, then I was like, oh, oh my goodness. I don't remember the movie being quite like this. Yeah. This is awesome. Yeah, it's and like I, I almost wish it leaned into that a little bit more. Yeah, that was, that was so good. That in, like I said, there they do so many things that it would be easy to grasp onto and make the whole movie that. Like this yeah. LA, and we haven't even started talking about the movie really, like going through like description or anything. But the LAPD there is this hub of all cop movies. Like every cop yes. from every cop movie, like RoboCop, yeah. cartoon characters, they all work in this precinct. I just want yeah. that as a movie. That sounds fantastic. That was a really good concept. And, and you know, that moment is when it kind of hit me that like, wait, is this movie a lot like the Chippendale movie? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where it's, it's literally, it's like, it's winking at weird meta things that are happening nowadays. And, you know, obviously the, the ugly Sonic is kind of thing you go to, but, um, but just where it just is winking at yeah. everything action movie mm -hmm. in that one scene alone and that's where i was like oh wait i i think i'd like this movie yeah. like if it's not gonna because uh, I, I as a kid i probably thought it was very serious mm -hmm. as a kid i probably thought way more about this movie <laughs> than i should have but then as an adult watching it you're like oh man this is this actually was very clever yeah. very funny all right so in my notes we've already addressed it but i said before we jump in can we just take a moment to say congratulations to arnold schwarzenegger on his new title at netflix he has been named chief animation or pardon me chief action officer in what is definitely a real job and not just a publicity stunt to push more people to a streaming service that's just um, tre treading water right now. I don't know if you can call it treading water. I st it's probably one of the most successful streaming platforms out there right now. But sure, Jazz, make, whatever you say, it's don't treading make good water. Content. They've made like All three right. things that are good. And one okay. of those three things, now the dude's in some legal troubles and it has to get kicked out of the MCU. So is that Netflix's fault? Yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a lawyer. But perfect yes. timing. <laughs> perfect timing. Uh, we also need to take a moment to recognize Tina Turner. Not in here very long, but man, what a career she had. Rest in peace. All right. So let's get uh, IMDb breakdown of just what this movie is, because it's hard for me to just put it in words. So let's let someone else do it. With the help of a magic ticket, a young movie fan is transported into the fictional world of his favorite action movie character. I was wrong. It's real easy to put into words what this movie is about. Yeah, um, yeah that's not wrong. Um, opening scene, we get a huge set piece. How expensive was the opening scene? My gosh. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, there's so many extras, so many police cars, shootings, general action, and then boom, Arnold smoking a cigar. Even though he is told not to, super cop Jack Slater, played by Arnold, makes his way into the building with the best two opening lines in history. When the governor is here, call me. He would go on to become the governor that he was talking about, oh, yeah. which is amazing. Uh, and also, 
to, I believe, a police officer. Again, this was two weeks ago that I watched this opening scene. Um, Do you want to be a farmer? Here's a couple of acres and then kicked him in the groin, sending him flying. Yeah, I didn't understand that. I had, to, I had to go back and turn subtitles on. Too. I was like, what is he saying? Yeah, um, it was, uh, yeah, pretty ridiculous. Strange. Uh, the villain who looks like a dude, the dude from I Know What You Did Last Summer has Jack's son, Time to Die. Jack, in a, a beautiful little uh, on-the-nose comedic moment, has like 42 guns on him that he has yeah. to lay down. And the film goes out of focus only to show that we are watching this movie with a kid. Um, this opening scene, how do you feel about being pulled out of the movie? How do you feel about the movie theater? How do you feel about this young child being alone with two older dudes in this graffitied up movie theater? Yeah. Uh, so we'll, we'll get a little bit further into this, but clearly the real world is an overdone version of just like a hellscape. Oh man. Of I've got some notes LA? Uh, no, I guess they said in New, New York. York. Yeah. The, they're in New York. The movie within a movie is in LA. The movie yeah. itself, real world, is New York. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I don't know what kind of theater, like I, the the real world sequences. But I, when you know how we said this movie was two hours long. Yeah. When we were halfway through this movie and they were like, they literally have not even looked <laughs> back at the real world. Yeah. I was like, I I could have swore part of this movie took place <laughs> in the real world, and I was like, why would you do so much setup there yeah. to never return to it? And then I realized, oh wait, there's like still half of a movie here to go. <laughs> Um, for for all that to take place, but yeah, that opening sequence is is pretty great. It uh, it sets the tone, I think, just right where mm-hmm. it's over the top. It's trying to be over the mm-hmm. top, um, but that tone levels out a little bit in the real world, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, a, a pretty good way to start. Again, you're talking about the greatest action star in existence in 1993. So yeah, that's kind of what you want him doing. And we. Uh, a little peek ahead, but I think next week on our next episode, we may decide if he is currently the greatest living action hero or if someone else uh, has taken that title. Um, yeah, my next note, you've already hit it on the head. This real world is gross. <laughs> I would 100% yeah. escape into movies as well. Uh, Danny, who is the kid that is watching the movie, uh, gets kicked out easily kicked out of the theater by the projectionist told to go to school he goes to school and you know what this movie is not i know i've seen it before but it's not something that is like a staple of my childhood that i can access those memories but what does transport me back to my childhood is the voice of his teacher who is played by one dame joan plowright uh, dennis the menace mm. 101 dalmatians dinosaur scrooge and marley that that voice is so iconic to my 90s childhood that yeah it, i was even though this movie itself not connected to my childhood very much whatsoever just her voice being in it i was like okay i'm a kid again um yeah but it also raises the question did all teachers in the 90s have um, british accents uh yeah all the ones i knew <laughs> and you know i didn't really question it yeah. it just was a thing that happened just british people come here to teach stupid american children in the yep. 90s. <laughs> oh <laughs> danny fantasizes about jack being in hamlet and uh it's also awesome yeah it's ridiculous that that is not that far away from something that i can absolutely see us watching in the 90s 100 percent, 100 percent. in fact when i was watching it i was kind of shocked that it hasn't happened yet right because they actually nail the absurdity of what that movie would need to look like for it to be interesting yeah um 
Yeah, like, yeah, it was way ahead of its time. Yeah. In 1993, did we realize that, like, that would be 100% something that would exist. Um, and I'm surprised that it hasn't. Yeah. Uh, we find out we find out that Danny's dad has passed away, and he has another one of those. We talked, um, when we talked Small Soldiers, about token 90s parents. He's got a yep. token 90s mom just trying her best. Yeah. Remember those? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is, uh, it harkens back a little bit to... Um, Warriors of Virtue yeah. with the single mom there but, just doing her best just leaving her kid to run wild <laughs> like yeah. that's what happens these these poor single moms first off we had an epidemic I think of single moms. Uh, broken homes in the 90s <laughs> I mean we probably still do but yeah. uh, and then their moms just working so hard while their kids just go run wild in fantasy lands yeah. uh, that was apparently a, a very big theme back then I mean that was you're explaining my childhood um, the, the difference being Warriors of Virtue his dad was just not present like they talked about how good of a cook he was and how great yeah. of a dad he was and he was in that movie zero seconds <laughs> where yeah. was this guy oh, man. no one knows um, so I think okay this world is gross but this seems like a very family friendly kiddish movie and then Danny opens the door to sneak out and is brutally attacked <laughs> Yes, yes. <laughs> like what is happening um that scene is way more frightening than oh, they play it in the, terrifying. In, the, in the movie they kind of play it jokey yeah like at the end he's like oh you don't have anything for me to steal yeah and it's like that's the kid is tied <laughs> to a stinking <laughs> heater in his bathroom like this is absolutely frightening. Yes, and they're playing it off like it's kind of funny. He, he goes from there being almost robbed, but his family's too poor to have good stuff to steal, uh, goes to the police station, and the police tell him to walk back home alone yeah. where this yeah. traumatic experience just took place. And his mom would not leave work early to meet him there. Just be home when her shift is over. Just yep. go walk home in these horrible streets. And towards the end of this movie, you can just murder people. and get. Away. And this is the world that this kid lives in. Yeah, I was some classic '90s parenting yes, right there. Classic. I would escape to movies too. There's, yeah, of course I'm not going back home to where I was just alone and robbed and chained to a radiator in my bathroom. I'm going back to the theater where there, there's at least two adults there that I know of it's, and no one else. Point. So of course he doesn't go back home. Um, Nick needs to get. Pardon me. Nick uh, is the projectionist. At the, this yeah. old man who puts I guess owner I guess also. he puts movies on and then just falls asleep in a chair yeah. is that his role in this theater yeah that's specifically all he does in this movie he does two things <laughs> starts the movie and then sleeps he, well, he does three things because he's the one with the ticket but we'll get there that's true uh, Nick okay we're already there Nick gets really sketchy with a ticket to watch the new Jack Slater movie um, he dresses up like to the nines somehow yeah. this it seems like a second run theater uh, it's it's old and ran down, and this kid's the only one going there and watching movies. But they're playing these old Jack Slater movies because a new Jack Slater movie's coming out. So to me, it yeah. it seems very second run, maybe like um, uh, just a rundown theater in New York when the bigger premiere theaters are getting more attention. But somehow Nick has this pre-release that they're going to watch of a new movie that why does he have it why should he have it hey, did he, did he these are it? not the questions you need to ask Chad. <laughs> i mean they're even, irrelevant even the kid at the end of this movie is like stop asking questions this is a movie just yeah. do it <laughs> which is pretty great um but we see the opening to jack slater 4 and uh charles dance good to see him you don't see charles dance very oh, yeah. much i think he's he's underrated um in the he's correctly rated in the correct circles but 
nationally he's underrated uh but he's straight he's correctly up. rated <laughs> he's correctly rated um charles dances bullseye from daredevil with his little bullseye eye um i get that it's a movie world and i get that he's the token is this like a bond villain type thing of every villain I, has their signature look yeah okay i think that was supposed to be kind of the idea is he so he's he's got like a gimmick yeah and that's kind of the idea and all yeah. of it, it it seems like they came up with this idea and then just kind of left some on the table because he's got all these different eyes and I guess oh, yeah. they all do different things because one, he leaves somewhere and it ends up exploding. Others, I guess, are like helps him with aiming because it's it, it's literally a bullseye, but it's a glass eye, so he wouldn't be able to see through that bullseye. I don't know. Yeah, I guess I didn't really think of it that way until you kind of mentioned it. Obviously, the one exploding mm-hmm. is, is one thing. I just always assumed they were just for... They were typically just used for comedic effect. It's just aesthetic. Like, yeah, like he would, because he's always wearing sunglasses. Right. So like he would give a one-liner mm-hmm. and then show you his eye that attaches to that one-liner. I always I always felt like that's all that was like for. Yeah. Was just to, to kind of tag it to something, but that was it. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, not to get all clinical, but this kid lives in the worst possible version of the real world and is using Jack Slater movies not only as like escapism, but to see what he believes is a form of justice that he is not seeing in the real world. This kid needs counseling like yesterday. He needs counseling oh, yeah. immediately. Um, yeah. He just lost his dad. He's being he's seeing so much injustice in this world. He it, His life is garbage. He's clearly using escapism, but also taking this fictional character and making him a father figure. Again, I know I shouldn't be reading that much into this movie, but oh my gosh, this this kid is going to have a lot of problems in the future. Someone get this kid some help, please. <laughs> like, don't tell him to walk back home by himself and just sit in the house. Um, in the movie's movie, Jack's cousin is killed and Jack survives a giant explosion. Jack is chased down the street by the most cartoonish villains of all time as the oh, ticket yeah. begins to work its magic. Yeah. Uh, I love that scene. Mm-hmm. I think the car chase scene is actually pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, for it's it's over the topness. It's just it's just great. I loved it. Um, and obviously, you know, I mean, it's Arnold driving around in a, a cool Corvette. Yeah. Or a, I don't know if it's a Corvette. It's a nice car though. Yeah. And it's um, literally and it's, them not only shooting at him but throwing sticks of dynamite. Oh <laughs> man, I, I mean, millions of bullets, <laughs> millions of bullets. Oh yeah. And I don't know, think the car gets hit no, with one. No. That's, I like, think that's let the, alone him. The second, Nothing gets hit. I think that's the second most ridiculous, and it's played as ridiculous, but the second yeah. most ridiculous gun violence moment in this. You've already mentioned the rooftop funeral. We'll get there. But there's like 160 people at this funeral. Everyone has a submachine gun, and he yeah. outruns all the bullets. <laughs> yeah. No, that one's, that one's pretty awesome. You know what, though, in this car chase scene, um, it has the best slash worst background car explosion mm. i've ever seen mm-hmm. i don't know if you noticed when one of the cars goes flying and it just like hits the ground and it's just this fake <laughs> splash of an explosion yes. and it's pretty great yeah uh, I, I love that scene it's like what you would do now on like some app that you download on oh, your phone oh yeah <laughs> there's a just cheap cheap yeah there's a couple bad cgi moments in this um but danny's ticket works and he gets transported into not only the movie but the back of jack's car and jack and danny escape the bad guys with the help of some fantastically placed coca-cola product placement oh yeah (laughs) big giant coca-cola truck and billboard um this movie world is nothing like the real horrible nasty grimy world that we know of 
And we know all of this. We know how great this fake world is within a fake world because, and we've made it, LAPD has valet parking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we've made it to the best place in this movie, which is the Los Angeles Police Department. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this, this, this as we've already kind of mentioned, this scene sticks out to me. This is when I knew, oh, this is actually really awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, even Even the classic... And not even this scene. It's it's even better later on. But the police chief, yeah, being just the police chief that yeah. just yells incoherently about everything all the time. Yes, um, that is is amazing. Um, it's just it's just perfect. It is perfect. And like the, the fact that like the lobby of this place too is gargantuan. Yes, I mean it's the largest <laughs> police lobby. I mean it's larger than some of the nicest hotels you'll ever see. It was, yeah, it's it's pretty incredible. Um, yeah, I do. I love this scene. Um, so many little cameos too. Oh my like goodness! Have, yeah. and, and they're so fast. Yeah, they're so fast. You really do kind of have to keep an eye open for for what's happening. And some of it is very specific to early '90s. I mean, obviously, you mentioned Tina Turner. Yeah, I could see a bunch of people watching this movie today and not recognizing Tina Turner for sure. And like you mentioned, the Terminator, just it's yeah. a blink and you miss it. He doesn't say so, a word. So just fast. Out, yeah. Yep. Um, the you mentioned the police chief. This is very specific, but do you remember? There's an episode of Community where. Um, Annie and Shirley become campus cops and they drive around in their little golf yep. cart. Uh, Abed decides to take on the role of the police chief. And that this is exactly no. what that reminds me of. Yeah. You guys are making my sciatica act. <laughs> a loud yelling, always gun and badge. Uh, yeah. Token police chief. Um, and I don't even know that actor's name. I could look it up, but why? Um, he, he's great. He's great as the yelling, yep. like auctioneer, quick police chief. Yeah. F. Murray Abraham is Slater's friend, and I put in my notes here, I feel like he's going to be the bad guy. And then Danny says, don't trust him. He killed Mozart. So. <laughs> yes. Uh, what a reference. <laughs> well, listen, you remember this movie, and this is, you're probably going to think I'm very strange for this, but we both know we have very different backgrounds and taste in movies. You remember Last Action Hero from your childhood. I yeah. very much remember Amadeus from my childhood. I didn't watch Amadeus Probably till ten years after I saw this movie. Really? Yeah. I. I mean, I was. What, yeah. I was Why born in nineteen eighty six. So I. Yeah. I, I didn't watch Amadeus when I was that young. Oh man. Uh, I watched much like which I love that movie. Yeah, that movie so is an good. outstanding movie. It's in my it's top such 10, a good movie. Top ten biopics of all time. Yeah, but obviously I would not have gotten this reference as a child. I yeah. would have saw this and it would have went right by me like a what? Yeah. Um. But very funny. Yes. Fantastic. Uh, fantastic casting for just for that joke. Uh, but yep. yeah, you, you kind of get that offensive or that sense of, okay, this is a movie. This is the, oh, he's the police buddy, but he's worked his way up yep. the ladder. He's obviously corrupt. And yeah, that'll pay off. <laughs> that'll pay off in the back end. Um, Danny is interrogated and becomes partners with Jack because, you know, movie logic. Take this kid yep. out here and just shoot people around him and yeah. let him have a good time. Uh, we also see that Stallone is the Terminator in the Slaterverse. Which, yeah, I love that. Yeah. I thought that was very funny. It's a very funny nod to the Stallone and Schwarzenegger's tricking each other into roles and battling for roles, which is a whole... We could do an episode on that. That's an amazing history of like Schwarzenegger pretending he's interested in something just so Stallone, Stallone would take it, and it's a horrible movie, yeah. and he knew it. Yeah. Uh, it's, that's yeah. fantastic. Uh, this scene, too, is, again, another great scene in the yep. movie. This is when they're in a blockbuster. Yeah. Um, and he's trying to find a movie that Arnold Schwarzenegger stars in. Mm-hmm. Of course, he doesn't. It's it's Stallone. Yeah. Um, but uh, I've I, I love this joke just because this has existed in movies 
for millennia. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of this common thing with this. Everybody has a five, five, five number. Yep. <laughs> and I love that he points that out. I bet everybody's number starts with five, five, five. And then he does the math on how it'd be impossible yeah. in LA alone for everybody to have a five, five, five number. And I, I was like, man, that is such a good dissection yes. of something that exists in every movie. When they have a number, it's always five, five, five. And then a, a slew of numbers. And I'm like, man, so ahead of its time. Yeah. Kind of picking that apart. I loved it. Yeah, that was great. Um, Danny and Jack meet Charles Dance as Danny continues to try to convince Jack that, oh, by the way, his name in my entire list of notes is Charles Dance. I have zero idea what his name is in this movie. He's just Charles Dance. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't remember either. I, it's been a while. It's been at least uh, five days since I've seen the movie. So <laughs> out of my brain. Oh, man. Um, Danny tries to convince Jack that he's a character played by Arnold Schwarzenegger. So in the real fake world of this world, Arnold Schwarzenegger exists. Uh, this film is really ahead of its time and I'm, I'm really appreciating it. It got blasted on Rotten Tomatoes. It has bad Rotten Tomatoes score. I think that's because people didn't understand it. And if it came out today, I think those scores would be higher. I, I think it, I think you're 100% right. I, I think we, since this movie had come out, I think we really mastered the satire and parody film. Mm-hmm. And, and in fact, if, if you think about it, like, man, this isn't too far. This is, I mean, this is probably a decade-ish before you start getting like, scary movie mm-hmm. not another teen movie not another disaster movie mm-hmm. and then you really hit then you hit like peak peak yeah. satire we've gone too far no where we went too far <laughs> and then it chilled out but now there's a lot of like which causes a whole nother level of frustration these kind of fourth wall mm-hmm. kind of meta style of films that exist and i know that i had already mentioned even even for kids movies like chippendale rescue yeah. rangers um again kind of another perfect example of that should have just been a kids movie but instead they were like no we're gonna do this fourth wall breaking thing and we're gonna it's gonna be totally wacky and weird and it's awesome because of that i could see where a movie like this would come out today and it would hit a little bit different yes only reason why i don't think it would only reason is because i action movies don't exist much like this anymore outside of the world of fast and the furious or like outside of the world of fast and the furious this type of action film just doesn't really exist anymore so i don't know if it would have the same hit like it did mm. in the early 90s but but i agree with you I, I think that this would at least have a better impact today than it would back then yeah are you kidding me in a world like uh, uh, of course i'm going to date us here but uh this weekend we had across the spider-verse come out yeah. that's that type of world just opens up this to oh, a yeah. lot more people actually understand what understanding what it's doing and what it's trying to say um, for sure so for sure. who knows again i i could absolutely see this being remade i would still want to see arnold in that main role um, oh, 100%. An older, chiseled Arnold. Like, just... Yeah. Or grizzled, I think. He doesn't... Yeah, he doesn't look chiseled yeah, much he's, anymore. Grizzled. He's sure. grizzled. He's not chiseled. He's moved from chiseled to grizzled. Um, yeah. We meet Jack's... One of Jack's daughters. Uh, that was an interesting thing. Why? It's kind of uh, Chekhov's gun there. Chekhov's daughter. Why mention that you have twin daughters and we only ever see one of them? Yeah. That's... that's uh, that was pointless. I didn't think about that. <laughs> Chekhov's daughters. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Uh, just just say you have one daughter. But we also find out that his son was dragged to his death on that rooftop. Y- yeah. So, yeah, the opening scene, we don't realize it. Yeah. But uh, he shoots the bad guy and then the film gets all weird. So you don't see what happens mm-hmm. there. You find out at this point that his son was dragged down after he killed the villain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I didn't think about this till just now, but also a dance... <laughs> Charles Dance goes back into the movie to recruit that villain, but that villain's dead. That doesn't make sense. We'll get there. Uh, yeah, <laughs> dude, dude, that was that was one of the things that did not make sense 
it, it, there's not a lot that needs to make sense in this movie because right. it's not that type of movie. However, that scene did bother me too. Yeah. It just didn't it didn't work. Huh. We'll talk about it when we get there. For now, the bad guys bust in and get Jack's daughter and Danny. Jack breaks in and saves the day. If Danny wanted to make a compelling point about them all being in a movie, he would point out the very obvious fact uh, that that Charles dance in the chair when he gets kicked and flipped over uh, was absolutely a stunt double. That was not Charles dance whatsoever. Yeah. And it's very clear. <laughs> he should have been like, look, look, his beard disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> We're yeah. in a movie. That would have been funny. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that would have actually been pretty awesome if they like actually made it look a little obvious right. and he played that out. That would have been even funnier. Uh, dance gets away, but Jack goes after him. And then we get a terrible CGI ET scene where um, what's his face? Danny is on a bike and they play chicken and he gets launched into the air. Yikers where he decides it's, it looks terrible, but I think it's supposed right. to be terrible. I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, he decides that, you know what? I'm in a movie. I can play chicken. And then he realized, Oh no, I'm just comic relief. I die here. I'm not the hero. Yeah. Um, dance gets the ticket and realizes there's something a little special to it, but it's not for like another hour that he will figure out what, maybe an hour and a half at this point, what is special about that ticket and what he can do now. Uh, Slater is fired, but he and Danny figure out the big evil plan of this movie, which we already kind of discussed. It is to make a dead guy fart nerve gas at a hotel top funeral. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like a writer was having fun with this moment. <laughs> Or like a just really didn't care. <laughs> well, a little bit of both. Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit of both. I I, I think that uh, they were were getting a little wacky. Yeah, they were coming up with some wild ideas, and uh, this was on the lower end of that totem pole. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this is this is the one that got selected. This was the storyline that they went with. Yeah. Let's make a dead fat guy fart nerve gas. He's a bomb. Charles Dance pulls his finger, and it starts the timer. Yeah. On the bomb. And that was kind of funny though. Like. <laughs> I did actually laugh at that. Where I was like, of course, of course. Yeah, I, it was like one of those like, if you were going to do this anyway, yeah, that, that was going to be the way you do it. The way you activate a fart bomb is by pulling the finger. That is just, that's just, that's just good writing. Yeah. All right. That's top tier of the bottom shelf. Yep. Yeah, exactly. That's the best way to describe it. Oh, uh, the casting of F. Murray Abraham was well used for a double cross and Danny and Slater find themselves chained to a pipe, but they are saved by an animated cat cop named Whiskers, voiced by Danny DeVito himself. <laughs> also awesome. Also awesome. I forgot he was voiced by Danny DeVito because he doesn't speak much in this no. movie. Um, but yeah, for <laughs> inexplicable reason, Whiskers is there to save the day. I, I love it. Hey, Whiskers is the hero of this movie, if we're being honest. Really? Honestly, he was. That movie was over at that point until Whiskers shows up. Uh, he shoots and kills F. Murray Abraham. No. Oh, man, yeah, no, great. no cartoon death there. Uh, Danny and Jack race to save the day. Slater uses Marvel cameo, or pardon me, Marvel camo, uh, which just means putting on a hat to infiltrate a mob funeral. Um, yeah. he's lit, so it's, it's a mob funeral. It's a bunch of Italians in Versace and Gucci suits. Like, I would say close to 200. I'm not good. Like, you put me in a room. Uh, I went to a Styx concert in a field in Roanoke a couple years ago. And my wife said, Oh, how many people were there when I got home? And I said, anywhere between 50 and like a thousand. That's how good I am with <laughs> counting people. Uh, I'm no yeah, clue. Geez. But I would say there's roughly 200 people there yet. I'd say it's fair. Um, yeah. All in suits, all in black. He is in a leather jacket, a pair of mm -hmm. denim pants, and mm -hmm. he just throws on a cap and nobody blinks an eye. Nobody. First off, he's a very infamous cop. And no one realizes yeah. who he is. 
Um, in fairness, that the scene away. is not really him trying to blend in. No. The scene is literally him sprinting <laughs> at this body. So I don't even know why he's in disguise at all. That's fair. Like, not to also the plan. The plan here is the is is they are going to get a crane. And the crane is going to swing over to grab the body and take it away. A crane. Like, that's the plan. Driven by a child, by the way. By a child. So what was the best case scenario here? The hat almost becomes pointless. Like, don't even. You were going to run up there to grab a body anyway. Like, why disguise yourself at all? Yeah. It doesn't, it, like, just run up there and grab the body. Yeah. Instead, like you said, he's recognizable to the mob. Yeah. He's a very famous cop here. And yet... He's talking to them, justifying what he's doing. <laughs> Pretending the I, corpse is alive. The corpse is like a gray yeah, color. Yes. At this point. <laughs> uh, now, I go back to what I said at the beginning of this. It's hard to criticize this movie because it is satire. Right. It's not trying to be serious at, at any sliver of this. In fact, they kind of make a joke about this later where everything just works out in the movies. Yep. So it doesn't matter what your plans are. They just work. Yep. Where in the real world, it doesn't work that way. Yep. Like you actually need to execute and figure it out. And so this is kind of exemplifying that point of like, it didn't matter. Mm -hmm. It was just, just do it. But um, yes, th those are obviously things that are, are kind of funny. And this is what I think a critic saw. Yeah. A critic saw this and was kind of forgetting what they were watching yeah. and was like, yeah, this is stupid. Why did he disguise himself there? That doesn't make any <laughs> sense. Yeah, I think that's kind of the point. That's That makes more sense than any other thing happening in this scene. Uh, yeah, because this basically. is where every person on that rooftop pulls out a gun and misses him from five feet away. Uh, yeah. First off, they, again, they don't shoot for like 10 minutes until he runs back yeah. into the crowd. Yeah, I'm not sure why they wouldn't shoot. Immediately? I guess he's holding a dead, a dead body. body. Yeah, so. who cares? <laughs> uh, uh, a little strange, but also, again, played for comedic effect. Mm -hmm. Weren't there nuns that pull out guns? Nuns, yep. All there kind, too, so. Everybody there. Old ladies. Everybody, everybody does, yeah. Uh, the, the old grandma yeah. in a wheelchair pulls out a gun. Yeah, so. He dodges not only the bullets from roughly 200 people, a minigun from a helicopter. Oh, yeah. And survives a fall from the top of a hotel with no injury. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty awesome. Yeah. I mean, uh, my only question is, and this is a point, like you said, it's pointless to ask questions about this, but who plans a funeral on the roof of a hotel. Well, this is where you are, right, right? Does it make movie sense logic? No. I'm way more interested in the writers. Yeah. Because the writers clearly could have just done a funeral with a bomb. Yeah. Like clear like you anybody could write that. Yeah. That's there's a there's a bomb in the body. Somebody in that room desperately wanted a crane somewhere. Yes. Like that's what I think happened. I think they is, just wanted is a writer to drop him in the wanted a carpet. Crane. Well, yes. I also think that is kind of a nice selling point too, um, which this was kind of, that triggered something in my brain. It's been obviously decades since I've seen this movie. So there are like bits and pieces I, I like fondly remembered mm -hmm. and that tar pit <laughs> stuck out to me so much that when I saw it again, I was like, oh man, yes, I forgot about the scene. Um, but I think that's what happened. I think a writer was like, I really want a crane. Wouldn't that be awesome if the fart bomb exploded in a tar pit? And it was a giant bubble. Wouldn't that be hilarious? And that's what they went with. Here's the thing, though. I was thinking about this. I honestly don't think this is... I, we're talking about a hotel rooftop funeral. Yeah. If you were to ask me, do you think that is out of the question for a Beverly Hills Cop or a Rush Hour movie? I mm. don't think so. I no. can easily see a rooftop right. funeral in either of those movies. 
Yeah, you are 100% right. As you're saying it, you're like, uh-huh, yeah, 100%. I could see that. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. could easily convince me. It's been a minute since I've seen Beverly Hills Cop, any of them. So you could easily convince me. Oh, do you remember the rooftop funeral in that movie? Oh, yeah. I don't remember. Oh, yeah, there's definitely one in there. Oh, okay. I believe you. It, it I seems like it fits. Wouldn't even question no. that. Uh, but they throw the farting corpse into the La Brea tar pits. Um, two quick one-off things. One of silent but deadly joke. You got to make it. Yep. And two of Danny saying, you know, tar actually sticks to some people because clearly you can see the path that Arnold is swimming yep. in that it's not tar. And he wipes it off because it's just oil. Because <laughs> it is yeah. a movie. Um, yep. Charles Dance kills his boss in a, uh, a, a hate crime, I believe. He calls him a noodle slurping Sicilian or something <laughs> I yeah. don't think you can say that. I think that's a hate crime. No, you cannot. That's a problem. <laughs> yeah, so he's solidifying himself as a villain. He kills his boss and begins to break the fourth wall. I love this scene because he realizes he's in a movie. And the minute he realizes he's in a movie, he turns and talks directly to the camera. Yeah. And you can see the camera crew in like reflections. Did you notice that? Reflections yeah. of mirrors. You can see them like running around with their camera. And, the and that, that's, again, like actually clever. Yes handled yeah. when he's because he realizes the magic of the ticket mm -hmm. and that's that's what's changing him so he realizes there is another world and that they're in a movie and him recognizing it changes his structure a little bit and i think that's that's pretty great fantastic uh heroes crash through and jack begins to rough dance up and accidentally throws him through the fourth wall into the real world jack and danny follow him by literally breaking through that fourth wall which i thought that was also clever of that wall is the screen because yeah. when you're back out of it, it is the exact same, like where that wall is, is where you're looking. So it's literally yep. the fourth wall. It's smart. That's something that yeah. I think a lot of people making a movie wouldn't have even thought about. You would have looked yeah. back at the screen and it would have been just any old angle. But it's literally like where they went through is the angle yeah. you're looking I mean, at. as you pointed out, like this doesn't have nobody's behind it. Yeah. Like it had yeah. real people at the top of their craft mm -hmm. making this movie. So it, it's, it's cool to see stuff like that. You see it come together. Um, also in the real world, Jack realizes that he doesn't have the basically superpowers that he has in the movie yeah. because he's the good guy, which I thought was clever. Um, and Jack finds that the real world physics are lame as they chase dance through New York. I love, so we've had, this is the third chicken scene. We've had one at the beginning. Yes. You have one on the bike. And I love this one where they just slam together and they have yes. a real world physics of just a car crash. Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and just it's pretty yeah, good. One bloody dude. He's completely dead. Um, but I also like, like seeing Jack work through. I don't know how he knows like this car has an airbag and that one doesn't, but just that processing of, okay, I'm in a new world. I have to obey the laws of this new world. Um, that's interesting. However, Jack has a crisis of identity when he realizes he really is a fictional character and someone has written his entire yeah. life second by second, including the death of his son, which when you think about it is a very dark moment. Yes, it someone is. Someone yeah. just wrote, ah, your son's going to die and you just have to bear those emotions forever. What, what bums me out again, we talk about how long this movie is. I feel like these sections yes. would have been a little bit more interesting if they were fleshed out. Yes. But like, it feels so tacked on yes. just to kind of finish the movie. And you realize that this is actually where some of the fun this stuff is, should be happening. This is where the bulk of the movie should have taken place. Or, or the interesting, but it really isn't. Yeah. It is glossed over to really wrap the movie yeah. up. Um, I think I would have flipped it. The amount of time they spend in the yeah. real world, I would have spent in the movie and vice versa. But 
Yeah, I agree. I was barely alive from this movie, <laughs> so nobody asked my opinion. <laughs> it's just a little one-year-old running around, probably two at this point, running around. Uh, fake Charles Dance is in the real world for like 10 minutes and notices how horrible this world is and how poor the police response is. Um, meanwhile, Jack spends some quality time with Danny's mom. Yeah, that's true. Awkward turtle. Um, so th- <laughs> There's a moment here where I thought, oh, Dance is going to be like, this place is awful, and try to get back in the movie. Yeah. I could see it going that route, but I kind of like the route they took of him like, oh, villains can win here, so I want to live yeah. here. Yeah, And he starts going in, apparently, from what it, it seems like, he starts going in and recruiting multiple movie villains because he's got a list of, and he's got Freddy Krueger circled. He's got all... And the, again, this could have been yes, cool. This is where, when you said, do you, was there a point where you thought you would like to see something? This is that point. Yeah, but it doesn't execute it. No, it doesn't. No. Like that's that's the thing that's that's kind of a bummer is how cool would it have been if he was interviewing yeah, Jason exactly. or something like that or Mike Myers and stuff like yep. that. Like there could have been some very very kind of fun moments there that yeah. just don't exist. And this was just back in the implied. yeah, this was back in the 90s where you could never do it now, but a studio could just ask to borrow a character and another studio would be yeah. like, "Yeah, give us $100,000 and you can use him for 10 minutes." Cuz yeah. you see crossovers in the 90s, like look at Roger Rabbit. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. But man. Yeah, it was completely possible. Yeah. So this is a, a wasted opportunity. Yeah. Um, so this is where I had an identity crisis. And my note says, fake dance goes back to the fake world to recruit villains while Jack explains the moral of this movie that has a movie in it, which is the real world is what you make of it. And we, can all, and we cannot just always escape into movies. Of course, the real world in question is actually a fake world within a movie, not the fake, fake world within a movie, within a movie, wow. within a fake world. But just the first layer of fake is what we're talking about. Here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I had a mental breakdown. I think I followed that. I think yeah. I had a yeah. mental breakdown when I typed that. You start crying. <laughs> Wait, what? Oh, man. What is this? So fake dance decides he needs to try to kill real fake Schwarzenegger. And this is also when I realized that we've talked about Arnold Schwarzenegger so much on this podcast that when I type notes, I do not misspell Schwarzenegger anymore. I, I know wow. how to spell Schwarzenegger. You don't just copy and paste no. it like normal just, human beings? I don't even okay. get the red squigglies under it. I just know how to type it. Wow, that is impressive. <laughs> that is impressive. You know you're an adult when you can spell Schwarzenegger and congratulations without spell check. Oh. That is that is true. I do both of those things now. So, um, at the world premiere. Okay, so before I say my next note, let's break this down. So, yeah, dance somehow acquires the script to Jack Slater three, which is the movie we were watching at the beginning of this movie with Danny. Yeah, and Jack Slater four is about to come out. So does yeah. does that mean that dance went back into Jack Slater two? Or the beginning of Jack Slater 3 in order to get the Ripper? Because the Ripper dies at the end of Jack Slater 3. Correct. So the problem that I have here, because that's a great question there, Chaz, but when Jack confronts the Ripper, the Ripper knows how the third movie ends. Well, the script is on the table that they're talking on, or talking at. Yes. So Charles Dance but, just has the script somehow. Y- yes, but also, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how this ends up working out. Yeah. I, I can't. I don't think that it, it doesn't matter clearly. But yeah, and I get why you, you that's the sequence that it went with in this movie. But I, again, I think the movie would have been a lot more fun if yeah. they just didn't include that character. Yeah. Instead, went and did something a little bit more interesting and fun. Yeah. But yeah, I'm not. I'm not really sure how he gets that script. I'm not. I'm not really sure how that yeah. all plays out. Also, 
how much time has gone by at oh this point. Oh my gosh. Because uh, you, you'd imagine to get this set up yes. would have to happen pretty quickly, but it's that movie was releasing that day. Yeah. So he had to do all this setup, like, get all this figured seven, out within a day. Seven hours, maybe. Yeah. Maybe not even that. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> oh, man. Does time just... No, time can't freeze when you go into a movie because the one... Dude, Nick was like, you've been gone for so long. I thought you just went home. So yeah. time continues at a normal... Kept going. He's quick. Dance knows what he's yeah. doing. He's a very efficient guy. Um, at the world premiere of the fake movie, within the movie, we get cameos from Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's a hard get <laughs> for this movie. But we also get Maria Shriver, Little Richard. So you thought... <laughs> Yeah, about that was why was he in this? <laughs> you want to talk about cameos? Little Richard kicks it off, followed by Jim Belushi, Chevy yeah. Chase, Damon Wayne's, which also they're walking in together. Do Chevy Chase and Damon Wayne's hang out? That seems like a very weird coupling. Yeah, that that is not a combo you you think you'd see a whole lot ever. Uh, Jean Claude no. Van Damme and MC Hammer. That's who yeah. I pulled. There it was probably more. Well, well, this is why I say, like, it, it, it is still a very 90s film. Yes. Like, in 1993, they thought for sure MC Hammer would still be relevant five years from then. Hammer Time. Um, yeah, well, he's not. He's, he doesn't <laughs> remain pretty relevant. We all know Hammer Time. We all know the pants, yep, and that's about that's it. That's it. That's all you need. Um, the Ripper tries to kill the real Arnold by throwing an axe just down into an open seating of people. Maybe you'll yep. hit him. Uh, but Jack tries to Good shoot not. the Ripper who is tackled by the real Arnold, uh, who says he's the best-looking celebrity impersonator ever, uh, and call his yeah. agent. We then get a rematch. So this is why they pulled it. This is the only reason they pulled in the Ripper. We get a rematch on the rooftop. The Ripper with a young boy that is a son figure to Jack, and Jack uh, showing uh, showdown, basically. Um, Jack throws his guns away and then ends up with the axe. The Ripper just straight up throws Danny off the roof. And I thought, what? <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah. You know what the part that was funny to me about that is he throws him off the roof, but Jack doesn't really react no, he to doesn't. it. He could not care less. <laughs> Jack just watched this little boy get just hurled off a roof and he's like, oh. <laughs> and honestly, so he's still alive. We'll talk about that. But the fact that he's still alive, Jack's like, oh, oh yeah, there was a kid. <laughs> no, oh yeah, oh yeah, I, I need to save you. Uh, I guess it's just just pure anger that this is the dude that killed your son. You forget about this other ki- child that's in your care. <laughs> I guess. Uh, but um, I guess Jack, ele- he electrocutes him to death, right? We don't see that he's dead, but I assume he's dead. The Ripper. Highly implied. Yeah. Um, even though... There is, I thought this was going to be a payoff of a line that said earlier where Danny says, you have to check the bad guys. It always looks like they're dead and they're not dead. Mm. So I was like, oh, okay. So the Ripper's going to come back. No. <laughs> yeah, no, just dead. Also, maybe he's not dead and now he just lives in the real world. You know, maybe he escaped off that roof and he's just I'm telling you, out there. He would blend. A sequel could exist yeah, here. He, the, a sequel could exist. The Ripper would absolutely blend in in this hellscape of a world. As he would. <laughs> it's, it is the real world here. Uh, where am I at? Dance talks. Uh, so dance shows back up. Dance talks about all the evil villains who he could have brought into the real world who were like waiting in line to use this ticket to get into the real world where villains can win. And man, wouldn't it have been interesting if he would have just brought one of them. Just one. Yeah. Here's an, ex- here's an example of a villain right here. Yeah. That yeah. would have been great. Here, here's a list of people that I could have brought, but I didn't. 
Uh, Dance yeah. shoots Jack, but Jack returns the favor by shooting Dance in his fake eye, which apparently was the bomb eye because it blows up his whole head. Um, yeah. And then the ticket drops onto the ground, allowing Death to escape from a movie that's playing. Don't know how. The ticket falls outside. Death is on the screen in the theater. Yeah. And just like can feel it, I guess, and, and just leaves this movie. Straight up kills a police officer. So you think, oh, <laughs> Death is going after Jack because he got shot, right? Uh, no. Yeah. There was no need for any of this to happen. Death just shows no. up. <laughs> Death just shows up and it's like, I'm just curious. And then turns around and leaves. <laughs> <laughs> That's a perfect description. That is exactly what happens. Yeah. Uh, it's Sir Ian McKellen, by the way. Oh, I love that yeah. so much. He's like, he yeah. wasn't on the list. I was just curious. You're going to die. But uh, he's not. And then he just turns around <laughs> and walks away. Oh, man. What a weird what a weird moment. That was a point where yes, I was like, was. there was no need for this. This No. You just paid Sir Ian no. McKellen probably a lot of money for no reason. <laughs> uh, uh, why don't you just show up and then turn around? <laughs> we'll put you in a black robe. It'll be fine. No. Oh, man. So Danny uses the other half of the ticket to get back uh, to get Jack back, not Jack Black, Jack back into the movie. And Jack sends Danny back to the real world because he needs him, he needs Danny to believe in him. You know, like Tinkerbell. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't I understand don't. this. Also, that was like never a plot no, point. Like, no. if nobody believes in you, you'll disappear. No. Like, that's not a plot that's point. That's Tinkerbell. Um, that's not movie. Yeah. Also, if there's anything we can learn at this point, it's poor little Danny needs a father. Oh my gosh, this kid. Um, and you're the best father figure he's ever had, but that's fine. Yes, Go ahead and leave him. Bye, kid. Just believe in me. <laughs> Just believe in me. Just know in my heart, or know in your heart, that I'm fictional. What? Yeah. I don't understand. Uh, I don't need to understand. It's fine. The movie ends with a lot of fake real-world consequences not being explored. There was an attempted murder at an A-list uh, movie premiere there should be a dead body on the roof all the power went out Charles Dance killed at least two guys in the real world although that's just fine um, and this death killed the cop the, yeah he also killed that mechanic just to see if the cops oh, that's would true. go yeah yeah a lot of death <laughs> with no consequences no but consequences. That, I mean, that's what the, the point the real world was awful I mean, apparently there's no resolution no resolution because this didn't fix any of it <laughs> it's, it's just what you make it kid it, being yeah. handcuffed by a tweaker in your own bathroom to a heating vent is just what you make it, you know? Yeah. Just have a better attitude. <laughs> See the bright side of that. At least you didn't steal anything because you're too poor. Yeah. <laughs> what if you had money? He would have actually stolen stuff. Uh, but, again, coming off of Terminator 2, a budget of $85 million, usually double that for marketing. Box office, $137.3 million. And that's probably a high estimate. So this was, at the time, yeah. a box office bomb. It's also a Rotten Tomatoes bomb of a critic score of 40 and an audience score of 47. And I, again, just think it's mis it was misunderstood at the time. And it's not revisited. Who's going back to watch, outside of us, we hopefully are. the listener yeah. now, who's going back to rewatch yeah. this? Yeah, and, I, and like I said, this was one that like I knew when we've when we've revisited films to this point, I, I expected them to be bad because yeah. you know as a kid I enjoyed them, but you know, Kung Fu Kangaroo. obviously they they were not going to be great anymore. This was one that I would say I, isn't a great movie, mm -hmm. but it's it's better than it has a right to be. Yeah, and um, uh, I'm a little surprised by those box office numbers. Yeah, again, because you're talking about the height of Arnold Schwarzenegger, <laughs> but another, but gosh, this was such classic '80s and '90s movies. Would you call this a kid's film? No. I would call it a family it, film. I wouldn't call it a kid's film. I mean, pretty violent. Yeah. There's a lot of swearing in there. It's true. 
It's it's rated. What's it rated? PG thirteen. I, I think it's rated PG thirteen. But like it, it falls into a weird demographic. Like it's clearly not made as an action film mm-hmm. that like the general public would see, and especially at those times, action films had no problem being rated R. Right. And um, but it wasn't a kids film. So I, I don't know if it just falls into a weird demographic and that's where it kind of just dies. Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not really sure, but this is a it, it probably deserved a little bit more than it got. Yeah. Um, like I said before, I, I went in and pulled some movies, but I can I, I just feel like this is screaming in a world that's already doing nothing but sequels and remakes. I feel like this movie is screaming for a remake into today's multiverse movie yeah. world with Columbia Pictures. They are owned by Sony, so they have access to Spider-Man, Charlie's Angels, Ghostbusters, Blade Runner, Jumanji. I would love to see, again, them spend less time in the fake movie, the Jack Slater movie, yeah. maybe jump to movies like 21 Jump Street, Bad Boys, Zombieland, Peter Rabbit. I would love to see Jack Slater in the Peter rabbit um, and then jump into the real world. Yeah, I those movies just don't exist anymore. They just and that's that's part part of the issue. Um but who knows? I mean, now that Arnold Schwarzenegger is chief something or other at Netflix, chief I mean something or other. Uh, who knows? All bets are off. Oh man. So this made like I said before uh, roughly 137.3 million domestically, it only made 50 million dollars. Wow. On a budget of 85. That's crazy. Million. And as I mentioned again in those previous movies that we've looked at, in my mind as a child, this movie was the biggest movie of the mm-hmm. year. That in my mind, this was huge. Everyone was watching this. Everyone loved it. So it's it's wild to hear those numbers because you're like, man, nobody was watching this. <laughs> this had nothing. So in the year 1993, Last Action Hero was number 23 at the box office. Yeah, which is awful. It was, it's awful. It was beat by Dennis the Menace and the Pelican Brief. You know, it probably would have made its money back if they didn't rent a crane to swing around two bodies for a while. That probably costs, that scene alone is probably so expensive. Let me ask you, how much money do you think you save if you don't pay Sir Ian McKellen, uh, Maria Shriver, yeah. <laughs> Little Richard, Jim Belushi, Chevy Chase, Matt, or Damon Wayans, I almost said Matt Damon, he wasn't even big enough in 93 for this. Jean-Claude Van Damme and MC Hammer. How much do you think they paid MC Hammer to be in this movie? Here's, here's the best part though, you named a bunch of people. Collectively, those people are on screen for a grand total of like 60 seconds. Yes. Like Tina that's Turner. it. Yeah. Yeah, all, all of them combined. If you combine all their screen time, it is for no time yeah. at all. And yet they probably paid them all pretty pennies yeah. there too. That's a great point. But fine. I'm, I will forgive that because at least it kind of serves the greater purpose of this being just, again, this weird kind of mishmash right. of, of meta stuff. But again, I go back to that one scene in the movie that I think probably costs a lot of money yeah. and it adds way too much time oh to the movie gosh. that is necessary. Get rid of 40 it. 40-minute funeral for a farting yeah. dead guy. Too much. Yeah. All right, well, again, next week, hopefully we will dive into the top 10 best living action stars because like you said, do action movies exist anymore? So let's dive into that. We don't know. We don't know. (laughs) We're going to figure it out. Um, But for now, that's all I got. See ya.